Laura. In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Thank you for listening to Ideal Remake. We take movies that either have been, will be, or should be remade and talk about what the ideal version of that remake would be. Or rather, that is what we usually do. Today, I've brought some of the dueling genre heavy hitters together to break down and build back up what the press calls the DCEU. So, Scott, Adam, Andrew, is what the press calls the DC Extended Universe, a franchise that has been, will be, or should be remade. It is being? <laughs> so Was constantly? Be. Currently. Currently being. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it has been also. Like, it's 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 almost not even really one franchise, if you if you look at it closer. Yeah. That's true. That's, 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 that's why I don't like the the dcu term that's what sam is doing right now everyone listening is making fun of me for pointing out a fact which is that the dcu is not a real thing we but, got we, we got well actually right before we hit record i mean I, it should be like the dc the current dc cinematic universe yeah yeah or just you know dc movies i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm more into like a low-key thing than a than than like a banner i don't think it mm-hmm. needs a banner it's just like how about we just make some good DC movies? How about that, everybody? I don't <laughs> particularly care about the banner, but I needed a, something to say for the intro because I yeah. couldn't go. So, is what the what uh, what DC is calling movies right now? Should we yeah. stop doing Cause, that? Because there's there's at least at least two, but really more like at least three different things going on. Right? There's the Matt Reeves Batman. There's mm-hmm. the Joker, and mm-hmm. then there's the Snyder verse ish conglomerate confederation right films yeah. right like which, not... which, in it, which in itself has like multiple states yeah mu- multiple states and also like has rebooted itself multiple times of yeah. like uh, rebooting too much uh pulling it back but not all the way back but also <laughs> the Zack snyder justice league do- isn't actually part of canon of what is happening it's a mess so, it's a disaster so... Yeah. So hear me out. Hear me out. Are we are we prime for a crisis? Should we have? Should we just pull it all together? <laughs> just like tr- trim out what doesn't make sense, push it all together, and be like, "This yeah. is our new. This is it. It's I all think, one I think thing." What we're doing here today is we're going to assume that there was a crisis on Infinite Earths movie, <laughs> and then this is what's on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not at all what that I is prepared even for. Close to what I did. <laughs> I think uh, I think that works for what I've prepared. Because uh-huh. mine is is like largely disregarding anything else. Yeah, mine is completely disregarding anything else. Oh yeah, mine too. Oh, so then what's the problem with the post crisis? When I think of uh, crisis, <laughs> I think of like there are little like strings and things because it's like yeah. these characters after the crisis. Yeah, the, the the crisis is okay. Here's all. Here's everything we have. We're gonna trim it all down to canon, and, and we're there's gonna, gonna be keep something all the familiar stuff. on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, like As on the other side of Crisis, they rebooted the DC Comics universe hmm. from from Square One. Like it was like a Superman origin comic. It was Batman Year One. Got it. All right. Yeah. yeah. My favorite story about Infinite Crisis is they hired somebody to go into their archives and read every single DC comic. Mm-hmm. and do as research like he read all of it 
they just put this poor guy in a basement. They're like, don't come out until you've read all of it. <laughs> you, you say it, but that guy was probably like, sweet. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm getting paid to read every DC comic. Yeah, but sometimes when you're getting paid to do something you love, like there's yeah, there, there's that guy on YouTube, uh, 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 totally not Mark, who has to like read a bunch of manga or manga all the time, and it's like he's got to be burned out at this point. Yeah, he's like, I I'm love just doing it for work. I love cooking, uh, but I have and I'm good at it. But I have I have uh, vowed to myself that I will never monetize it. Never. <laughs> yeah, you, it'll you, ruin yeah. it. <laughs> Right. And honestly, yeah. I feel like that sometimes with Tales from the Short Box, like we we started our our season breaks because we got to points where we're like, I don't want to look at you guys anymore. I don't want to look at comic <laughs> books anymore. I don't care about comics. I don't want anything to do with them. So like, yeah, no, I get it. Like a- after probably two weeks of that, he like how many cigarettes do you think this guy had to smoke to get all the way through all what of What year was this? This was this is what the seventies or eighties. Oh, like, definitely that, that so many. Yeah, yeah. he wouldn't. He, there's Red Bull wasn't even a concept. And at that point, what do you do on your lunch break? Do you just like go out back and run laps because that's different than <laughs> right? Yeah, reading comics for eight hours. <laughs> it's got to be going to a sports bar, right? Yeah, it's got to be something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you go right. to a football game to unwind. Before we get any deeper, let's take a second have everybody introduce themselves so that. Um, guests can know which uh white guy voices which uh-huh. <laughs> so i'm sam gash <laughs> thank you for listening to my podcast uh andrew uh i'm andrew dorowski i am uh one of the hosts of disney animation minute essentials on dueling genre and i also work on the protagonist podcast on dueling genre so uh, a couple of different different things adam so I, I'm Adam Sheehan. I'm one of the hosts on Tales from the Short Box here on Dueling Genre and a couple of other uh, projects that are, are in and out of production at any given moment. <laughs> and I'm Scott Corelli. I've been on this show several times. It's true. <clears throat> and I I, uh, I am the captain of the USS Dueling Genre. So uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was trying to think of, of like the DC Comics equivalent and I couldn't like pull something together from from like the new gods or something. I was like, it was like, mm. uh, you know, there's got to be something behind the source wall. I I will say this. <laughs> I will say this, and I'm just going to say this now because I I think it's an it's a great idea that will probably never come to fruition. Um, and I it's not part of my pitch, but one of my absolute DC dream projects is a new gods series in the style of Arrested Development. <laughs> wow, I want that, that is, so bad. That is different. <laughs> Yes. I mean, that's so specific. Yes. 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 Um, I want it. I want it so bad of just like, like all, cause they're all like related and they're all like siblings and they're all, they all hate each other, but love each other, but hate each other. And it's just like, that's, that's what I want. I want so, it so I immediately... That's so weird that it would never work until you get into a room with the exact right exec who you pitch it to. And they're like, yes, absolutely. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, so but you'd I... never get into that room. <laughs> now I'm picturing that and I'm like getting details. I'm like, okay, so if we take like dark side as George senior and he gets put in prison and then granny goodness is Lucille like Calabac <laughs> as Michael. I mean, it's not that quite of a one-to-one. I just mean like <laughs> in the style of, but yeah, I just find their, all of their relationships very like the fact that like, uh, like Steppenwolf is dark side's uncle, but all he wants is his nephews. Like, 
he wants his nephew's love and respect. Mm -hmm. And I just find that really (laughs) like, that's just one weird familiar familial uh, uh, connection that I find so interesting, but that's extra funny. If you imagine Zack Snyder's, yeah, what'd you say, Adam? So it's extra funny. If you imagine Zack Snyder's Steppenwolf in that situation, Oh, (laughs) how does that guy even walk through a door? (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. I like that we also did uh, uh, Dark Side, and I was picturing the other planet. Oh, you were going to, with New Genesis, uh, New Genesis. And, like, High Father? I was definitely thinking New Genesis and High Father, and that's <laughs> less fun. <laughs> I'm like, I, I did not know how that would work, but if it's the Dark Side family, I'm all in. Okay, but yeah. then, well, it would be it would be both because you know they did swap yeah. their babies. Okay, so. but, uh-huh. but now. Yeah. But now Orion is Job, and he's going everywhere on that weird, like, floating scooter thing instead of yep. the Segway. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's what magic is. <laughs> he's just telling everyone how the scooter works. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So we're here to, today to reboot kind of the, uh, the series of DC movies. Mm-hmm. If we're starting from scratch, doing DC movies over again, what, what do... This is going to be different from any other ideal remake in the sense that we're starting with, we're going to have four separate ideas and they're going to stay four separate ideas of in each of our own little perfect worlds, this is how we would jumpstart a new series of DC movies. So before we get into that, I probably should ask, what's everyone's experience with DC and DC movie, or DC movies and then DC in general? I know what Adams is going to be. So let's start with you. <laughs> well, DC movies, honestly, my, my experience with them is mostly takes place within the last like eight days or so while I was trying to, <laughs> to cram for this exam. Um, I, I, I haven't really been that big of a fan of, of the DC movies for a while. Recently on, on our, our most recent season of tales from the short box, I've been kind of forced to read an awful lot of DC content. Like we did um, a bunch of old Neil Adams, Batman. We did like Denny O'Neill's the question um, crisis on infinite earth. We did Superman for all seasons. We did a whole lot of really good uh, DC comics that like I, I ended up getting a DC universe subscription just so I could keep reading some of this stuff. So (laughs) I'm, I'm kind of fresh off of uh, a long binge of, of DC fun scott you're you're a big fan of dc stuff i often will say that my favorite superheroes are spider-man number one and then everything in dc and then (laughs) and then i circle back to marvel on the other side of that um yeah dc is my is my universe like dc is what i read the most other than spider-man comics growing up and when i got heavily into comics when i was a wednesday warrior for a long time dc was my my universe that was that's those are the comics that i read the most um it was like the sort of heyday and height of the sort of Jeff Johns era of, of DC comics. He's not so good anymore, but there was a period of time when he was very good and, and maybe like one of the best comic book writers out there. This was around like alternatively the height of Bendis over at Marvel. It was like Johns and Bendis were like the two sort of architects of those two universes for a while. And to me, the thing that I love about DC especially at that period of time is just the fact that like it's all one continuity and it is there's there are legacy characters and so you know you could be on your 
your third or fourth flash and that's just the way it is and you know the legacy just continues same with green lantern and things like that and then eventually they started like bringing back the original characters and i don't think it's been as good since then because now they're a little bit more like marvel where they're like well there's only one captain america and we'll have little divergence where you know sam wilson becomes captain america for like a year but then we'll always go back to steve rogers because he's captain america that more seems to be marvel's thing mm-hmm. which i'm not quite as interested in i like i think the dc theoretically should lend itself to movies and franchises much more than marvel because of that legacy aspect where people care as much about barry allen as they do wally west etc etc and so yeah it, it should be a no-brainer that this should be working and yet it's not because um they're making it more difficult than it needs to be but yeah yeah. Huge, huge DC fan. Um, in terms of the movies, uh, I don't know that a lot of them have gotten it right. I st- I think my my two favorite live action DC movies are Batman Returns and Shazam. Um, <laughs> so that's those are my two favorites, you know. And and Batman Returns isn't really a great Batman movie. I just really like that movie a lot. But my favorite uh, Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, Christmas <laughs> fantastic Christmas movie. But yeah, it's it's I. I like some of what they've done. Like I, I really like Aquaman for all of its dorkiness and absurdity. There's an octopus playing the drum, so I'm I'm gonna be waving. <laughs> I'm gonna be waving that flag. That's I'm like that hell is, yeah, octopus playing the dr- drums. Bring it. <laughs> that is a movie I skipped this week. That now I I I feel I shouldn't have. Oh man, it's so it's it is so fun. Un- so unfortunately, fun. that octopus is not in 98 percent of the movie. I like the rest of the movie though. Like I, the rest of the movie doesn't bother me. Um, I think I think Ocean Master is great in that movie. I think that it's like colorful mm-hmm. and I mean it feels like a comic book, which is more than can be said about the Zack Snyder uh, specific movies, which don't feel like they're comic books. They feel like a misguided evolution from the Dark Knight trilogy, which is like something we should have been moving on from instead of doubling down on. But that's neither here nor there. And they have that khaki color scheme that's like just devoid of life. Everyone yep. loves sepia. Andrew, <laughs> what's uh, what, what's your DC experience? I'm I'm a, I'm a comic book reader, so I go. You know, I, I pick up like once a month. You know, because I'm not getting so many that I need to go every week, and it ebbs and flows between like Marvel and DC. I think in the last three years, it's probably been mostly DC. Um, in Marvel, I'm I'm like an X Men guy, but I have not. I was like not really following the House of X and everything that's been going on since then. So it's like not a great time for me as an X-Men fan. <laughs> but DC, like I've been reading Batman and Superman comics pretty consistently per, for five years, six years. But like I grew up more Marvel. Um, so I've gravitated towards the DC comics. The movies I've seen probably more than 75% of them. And I've enjoyed elements of like half of those <laughs> You know, there's like there's things I like and then there's a lot where I'm like, this is not what I want out of my Batman. Um, but I was a huge fan of the animated series, uh, Batman, the animated series, Superman, Justice League, yeah. Justice League Unlimited. Like that was like prime tsunami time for me. And so I was watching those constantly and then had some of them on DVD. I put them on for my kids on HBO Max now. So the the cartoons for sure are like a rock solid part of my my background for DC. Yeah, I mean that's basically my experience. Uh, I I'm not a comic book reader. Um, I 
I've always kind of had a hard time with like extended continuing stories that go on forever. I like, I, lo- I love a contained story for me when I was like, <laughs> when I was younger, I would kind of rely on my friend Claire to be like, all right, here is five comics. This is the entire story. Or <laughs> here, here are the 10 trade paperbacks of why the last man have fun. And like, that's kind of how I read comics just because like the idea of like jumping in full force into Batman or Superman or whatever and and just diving in and just having years and years of history always and I knew there were reboots and everything but I always found that incredibly intimidating but like a single one-off the red sun I would read because it's just that one story or whatever the one is in the future where Superman goes and lives and has a black Superman s symbol and I can never remember the name of it and it drives me nuts is that kingdom come yes it is yeah but I also, I've said it on multiple Patreon-exclusive dueling genre episodes, I I was a big cartoon fan. I also have DVDs sitting within view right now. And for a really long time, I always said that Marvel has the movies, DC has the TV. Because I liked yeah. the Arrowverse. I liked the Arrowverse for quite a while until I didn't. Uh, the cartoons are amazing. And just like the way that they've created the world has always been so compelling to me. And I've loved that stuff, but that's, that's my DC background in terms of the movies. Like I haven't seen a lot of them. Obviously I really enjoyed the vast majority of wonder woman. Um, Shazam is super duper fun. And I, I really enjoyed those, but I kind of haven't liked any of the others. And I don't know. I'm hoping that's something that we can fix today. But with that in mind, <laughs> We now have to figure out how we're going to do this because theoretically all of us have separate pitches. And I think all of us did that in very unique ways to us. Like I basically outlined a movie and it is five pages long, mostly single spaced. All right. I was afraid I did the most prep for this. I'm not. I'm I'm glad. No, I basically just like, here's the movie. Here it is. I wrote it for you. I outlined three movies. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I, I have I have two I have two pitches and I've been just torturing the Tales from the Short Box gang in the group chat over this. So like <laughs> I, I have input from those guys. So okay. uh, So here's what I think we should do. Um I think Andrew should start and then we do one of Scott's movies. Then we do one of Adam's movies. Then we do my movie. Or I'm sorry. Then after Adam, we do the second of Scott's movie. Then we go back for my movie. Then we do Adam's and then we do Scott's. Sounds fair? I will keep mine concise, but yes. Okay. Uh, Mine mine are really short pitches. I don't have a whole outline. So, And I don't have like a a proper movie. There's not like a a super precise plot line that I laid out. Like mine's largely like rules and vibes. Right. Again, I'm assuming no one's as crazy as I am. So that's why I want to not go first. I also have like a phase one and a phase two in mind. So <laughs> oh, I, I have all of phase one outlined. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. Let's start. Let's start with this. Andrew, tell us about your movie. Okay. Um, well, let me tell you about like the rules for my DC films, right? Because there's like guiding principles that that need to be consistent with this and like these are very specific. Like this is from an executive level, not a director level, like the executive level, the directors and the writers have to adhere to these kinds of things. And like rule number (laughs) one is no origins. Like you cannot bring me an origin film. This is a pre existing set of heroes. We are not telling origin stories because we've seen too many origin stories, particularly for Batman. 
like no, no pearls no, no pearls. See those pearls like the costume designers are forbidden from bringing <laughs> pearls into the building like you can't have pearls on a on a separate character because it will be calling back too hard to the origin story like i think the i think the batman origin in particular right the death of the waynes is maybe the most depicted event in media at this mm-hmm. point right it is people know it better than than scripture like it is david and goliath level if i say the death of the waynes people have an image in their head just like you can say a david and goliath and people are like yeah big guy little guy and if i had an art exhibit that i was responsible for i would have an entire room it would be completely dark with a single spotlight on a single pearl and would be titled the death of the waynes or it would be titled like crime alley or something (laughs) and that's it and to be super easy and super inexpensive, but people are like, I know exactly what's going on here. I can see the rest of the the tableau without any additional material. So no Hi. origins. <laughs> um, this is colorful, right? Batman is in the gray and blue, right? I, I'm not sold on like the yellow in the center of his chest because I've never loved the yellow, the yellow oval. But gray and blue is is like the best Batman look for me. Superman is not in navy; he's in royal blue, right? <laughs> like these are bright colors. And and it's really, really vibrant. My movies, because they're like, okay, this is pre-established and everything, right? Everything starts in media res, like a James Bond movie, right? You start in the in the middle of like the last sequence of a previous adventure, right? That's how we get introduced into every one of these movies because it allows us to like build up the momentum and say, this is an existing world. And there's a lot of montages in these. This is the only other way I can like, think of that we can get content in here because there's so much history to the characters. We have to make the characters feel like they've experienced things. And so I am like all for a montage. If you write me a movie and it's got a superhero montage in it, then it's like twice as likely to get greenlit (laughs) (laughs) because I just want there to be a sense that this is an existing world where things are happening, right? It's not Batman's second big case ever. It's like, no, this is Batman's like 12th case this week. You know, like he's always working on a bunch of things. That's the the kind of mindset. I ended up being kind of central on Batman just because I couldn't think of anyone else to hang the universe on. Um, but with that in mind, I wanted it to be more like the Bat family. So not Batman himself, but like, no, there's like Dick is already Nightwing in this. Mm-hmm. And we're on like Tim Drake, Robin, and and maybe Damien is somewhere or, you know, could be coming up somewhere. Right. Um, Damien could be around. So it's like, yeah, this is the family. This is long-term. And, and so if it is going to be central on Batman, I want older Batman. This is Batman like pushing 60 and kind of my idea behind the universe is like, okay, there hasn't been a justice league, but the first wave of like powerful heroes, like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman are getting older. And like justice league is their midlife crisis. It's like, we've got to put <laughs> something together because we're getting old. <laughs> like, we need to make sure that things are going to be okay when we're gone because they don't believe that like the next generation is going to be as powerful or as potent, especially because Superman, right? Unless we, unless we have Jonathan in there, but you know, maybe Jonathan's only half as powerful, right? All that sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah, the justice league is their midlife crisis project. It is their, their convertible. Like we need to put together, we need to put a satellite in space. So we have a legacy. <laughs> and so things are okay. Any questions, comments, like, <laughs> I'm ready for some conversation on this. I feel like I'm pontificating. I'm I mean, so glad you went with the blue and the gray. It was that... so bad on screen. Yeah. It's not red. It's royal blue. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the royal blue on Superman. Like, yeah, they just need to be really bright colors. Like, don't oversaturate it, but 
Yeah, I need uh, the colors. That's fun. That's a fun idea, though. I like the idea. I mean, it's a little bit of the, uh, eh, these kids don't know. We better prepare everything for them. And I'd like, it sounds like the sort of thing of, like, that's the, what they're going into the movie prepping it sort of feels like by the end of the movie, they'll learn they were wrong and should trust the next generation of superheroes. Mm-hmm. But still now it's like, Oh, now we have to supply them right now. There's okay, fair enough. now it's like a matter of like, Oh, there's going to be more of them. And that becomes dangerous. It's, I, you know, I, the danger isn't that they're unprepared. It's that it's like, Oh, there's a lot of them. And like one bad move at that level becomes a problem. They need to make sure it's I, not unlimited. I, I, so I don't like that the, that the Justice League is built out of fear. I think that's weird. But, but I will say I do like the idea of these sort of like OG members of the Justice League being like a team of executives who are like assisting and, and mentoring all of the young heroes who Mm -hmm. are like on the ground. I think that's, I think that's a really cool vibe. I just don't, you start getting into like, well, they're afraid that the young team isn't as good as they used to be and all this. And now we're starting to drift into Zack Snyder territory again. Yeah, that's a good um, point. I thought we were drifting towards Justice Lords, but yeah, that's fun too. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, that is, that's the same thing. That's the same thing. <laughs> it needs to be, it needs to be with like less of a sense of like controlling everything and more of a sense of like, you know, just support support. Yeah. Like yeah. we are going to give them the tools that we didn't have. Right. right? That sort of thing. So are they going to establish their, 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 like, the Justice League tower or whatever, like, set it up in, like, the sky or the satellite, or how are they going to do it? I mean, I really like Young Justice, and so it makes me think of having, like, a Hall of Justice and a satellite. That's true. So, but, th- like, let's say they do that, and then basically they're going to be training all of the young superheroes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they yeah. want to make sure that everyone's ready. So we're doing Sky High. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit yeah. of sky high, but you know, this universe would have a lot of like, okay, this is, you know, second and third generation heroes. We are going to have the legacy characters um, as, great. as well as like some of the older ones. And so I'm like, okay, I want to cast. So I started thinking about casting and trying to cast older actors, like, like forties, fifties, well, not forties, like fifties and sixties actors for the core justice league members. And I'm really, really happy with my Batman. I think great. you guys are going to like it. Older Batman. Uh, the actor's only 54 that'll be playing 60. I want Hugh Jackman as Bruce Wayne Batman. Oh. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's fun. He'd be good. Because I think he can do like the Bruce Wayne tuxedo stuff really well. And he can mm-hmm. be like, okay, I've been in this for a long time, but he's basically just talking about Wolverine. <laughs> like my body, is, <laughs> my body is exhausted. I can't stay in shape. I would almost I like go it. with John Hamm in that sense. I too. thought of John Hamm as maybe a Superman. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that who you went for your, for your Superman? I had two options for Superman, John Hamm or Keanu Reeves. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> and so I thought Keanu as like... Those are different vibes. Those are very, very different, different vibes. vibes for a Superman, but I think Keanu Reeves can do a very like kind of disconnected from the world, like, yeah. you know, tired, but like still, I'm still here, but like I don't feel, like he feels alien. <laughs> To a degree. Yeah. I think if you want the over charismatic Superman, you got to go with John Hamm. And if you want the one who feels alien, you got to go with Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that's smart. Who was your Wonder Woman? I I had not nailed down a Wonder Woman. Like I wanted someone with a lot of like gravitas. And I was like, kind of like a Meryl Streep, but I don't know who to go with. You know, the other in the, problem in the with right Wonder Woman is that bracket. she's immortal and she doesn't age. Yeah. And so you can get away with things a little differently for her. Yeah. That is tough. But yeah. it's got to be somebody who's like has has the older energy. Yeah, I think yeah. you cast somebody in their like 
in their like mid forties, and I yeah. think that would probably give you what you need mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. yeah, and so I hadn't I hadn't come with, with casting for everybody, but I was thinking like Nightwing. I want to be like in his thirties, and I was thinking like Sebastian Stan could probably be a good Nightwing. I think uh, probably your ideal uh, Wonder Woman is probably someone with uh, Marina Bakarin. Hmm. She was almost Wonder Woman. Was she, she was, actually? Yeah, she was going to be Joss Whedon's Wonder Woman in that movie. That's right. Yeah. But no, that could definitely work, right? <laughs> that makes she, sense for Joss Whedon. Like, she can bring, like, maternal wisdom energy to it mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that kind of thing, right? Like, talking talking from experience kind of stuff. I also mm-hmm. want to give her more opportunities to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, but fun. I like it. That's um, a, that's oh, cool and then idea. I did have some, some Green Lantern because I want, like, Green Lantern stuff. In there. Okay, yeah, and please. so I have some some Green Lantern stuff. I think like Hal should be older, and it's like okay, Hal's been doing this for for fifteen years. I think just give it to David Boreanaz. Like he's really probably wanted it forever, <laughs> and he's done like the voice work for it. Like yeah, he can like he can be older Hal now, where it's like mm-hmm. I've been through some stuff. Like it, it like Hal not as like a police officer, but as like a police sergeant. I would love to see David Boreanaz not be in a police procedural uh, for the first time in 20 years. That would be awesome. I would love that. But he's going to be doing it as Green Lantern now. So it's like, it's not, but right, it is. So it's Green Lantern, but it's a police procedural. Um, right. He's just so excited to go to work and catch criminals. And I really wanted for Jon Stewart, I thought Michael B. Jordan as like a younger, like kind of starting out, but like, okay, he feels solid. John Stewart. And I just cool. like Michael B. Jordan is just like so charismatic. He is. He so really is. You just want to put him in movies. I had no idea who to do for like an older Flash. And I was kind of like planning on asking Scott, like, Scott, if you've got Flash who's like 45 years old and it and that's Barry. And then you can have like a younger Wally. Who's a good I, older Barry? I mean, I mean, I'm not I, I, an older, an older Barry. I don't know, because it depends on like the vibe that you want him to have in like, terms of like, yeah. Does he quip? What about James Marsden? Ooh, uh, good old Jimmy Marsden. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> wait, like, I think James? this is this yeah. is like dad. What Barry, kind of, right? what like, kind of CGI kids. character would he be talking to? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good uh, the Speed Force. He's just always talking to that wily Speed Force. <laughs> Sometimes I look back on James Marsden and I'm like, you were Cyclops, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was so excited was a, to be Cyclops. It was a crazy career. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, I couldn't think of and, – and I knew Scott knows The Flash better than anybody else on this podcast. I was like, I kind of leave it to Scott. Like, But, yeah, you know, older, like, he's a dad, Barry, not, not a college student Barry anymore. He's like – he's figured out how to use his powers and he's like, I'm not late to everything anymore. Okay. That's what I did when I was an amateur, but like I've got it together. I'm not entirely sure. And I don't want to get too far into it because I have uh, more thoughts later. Yeah. All right. I think that's good. Andrew, you can just steal someone else's flash casting and we'll say that's yours. I'll be like, Oh wait, wait, that one, that one was mine. (laughs) We'll give you a flag. You can just hold the flag up when it comes up. Uh, But yeah, that's basically like all I had ready. was like, okay, no origins. This is established. We were talking a little bit about stuff like before the show started, like what's the linchpin of everything. And so I kind of want to steal something from that conversation. I think it'd be kind of cool if the the point of view character coming into this is Martian Manhunter, like landing on Earth and seeing like, oh, these heroes are like, established. I'm going to copy them. I'm going to, you know, get involved with them and everything because it's hard to like go into this without a POV. Yeah, uh, that's it's true. You know, one one of the important things, and this is why they keep doing origin stories, I think, is like, okay, well, if we're just following this character from their beginning, then 
that's doing all the work. Then we're learning as they're learning. Yeah, but, but like, I don't who need on this to see planet? <laughs> who on this planet doesn't know who Superman is? You know what I mean? Like, do we right. really need to be shown? who Superman is. And for those people, you can give them an audience surrogate like Martian Manhunter, where it's like, you know, give them someone brand new to this world who has to learn who Superman is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't mind if um, kind of like in Spider-Man two, if there's like opening credits and it kind of does a representation of mm. origins or previous adventures to kind of set us up for, for stuff where it's like, okay, these are, artistic renderings of things that are relevant in the backgrounds of these heroes, but I wouldn't want it just origin. I'd want it to be, you know, like adventures. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that like we kind of like a lot of people tend to forget, but is like one of the best things that, Oh man, now I'm blanking on. uh, I can't think of his name. The guy who did Watchmen. Alan Moore. No, the uh, movie guy. Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yeah. The the thing Zack Snyder really did really, really well is that opening montage where you're seeing the clips from all the different heroes, like that opening montage Mm -hmm. where we're getting a sense of who all the characters are. Like, it's so good. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the other big thing is like, we're going to have like a good colorful Fortress of Solitude, uh, like a full on Batcave with the dinosaur and the giant penny and the giant playing card and like all that stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Good. Yes. All right. I love it. Good job, Andrew. Scott. (laughs) Give us a rundown of one of your movies. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start with. I'm gonna full disclosure. I do not have writer directors for really any of these. I I don't either. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. And, and and there's also a reason because I I to me I think that the the best way to um, flip the script on what Marvel Studios is doing is making really good single movies that are not necessarily building to anything. You can make a Justice League movie down the line if you have a handful of characters that really pop, but like you're not leading to a justice league movie. The justice league movie happens as a result of the success of the other movies. Crazy. I know, but that's <laughs> what it should be. Um, but uh, my, the differentiation uh, with Marvel, I think is that you actually cast like eight, you get a list directors on all of this stuff. Like big, like I'm talking Steven Spielberg directing Superman, like that level of like, Hmm. let's make like a big movie that feels so impossible like oh it would it would but this is ideal right right Sam? right right, yeah, right of course <laughs> you, you can get anybody yeah so everyone's available the scheduling always works yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so that's that's the kind of thing that i'm i'm thinking about but in any event i'm going to start with one of my smaller movies and that is green arrow and my my pitch for a green arrow is that first of all and this is this is the start of this because i think it it leads to everything else my green arrow my oliver queen is donald glover and you you cast donald glover as oliver queen and what you do is you basically establish him as like pre-island oliver queen he is he is a second generation rich black kid and he's like only hung out with like white, white, rich white families. And he's very like not in tune with his culture. And also he doesn't care. He's got like a real, uh, I'm not black. I'm OJ kind of attitude (laughs) about all of that stuff. Right. And, and so then he ends up on the Island. He's there for five years. He gets saved. And when he comes back and he looks at like this rich, disgusting life that he's going back into, He's just like, what the hell is this? And then he ends up sort of falling into the 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 rougher side of town and 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 also like just reconnecting with his culture, something that his family does not approve of because they're like, we tried to we we got out of that. 
we wanted a better life for you. Like, why are you going back there? Why are you hanging out with these people again? And he ends up becoming Green Arrow, which if you look up, you can look up a picture of Donald Glover where he literally has the Oliver Queen beard. <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. And and the thing that I love about Donald Glover as Oliver Queen is because Oliver Queen, unlike Arrow, the, the CW show, Oliver Queen is fun. And yeah. like a goofball and yeah. and and romantic and kind of sexy and but like in like a charming way, not in a like, look how many salmon ladders I can do um, way. <laughs> it's not about the abs for him. It's about like his chemistry with other people. It, when um, you and, when you say Donald Glover like that and you're describing that, it makes sense that he would do the Robin Hood hat as his costume. Totally. Totally. Like, oh, that makes yeah. perfect sense. It's like, oh, no, 1, he's going to wear like a leather hood. He's going right. to put on the stupid Robin Hood hat. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's all about him reconnecting with his culture and like doing something to help them and like go back to it and like be like, OK, I'm rich. I want to do something with all of this and going in and doing that. And he's just like a diehard liberal. And it's it's very much like it's very political the the thing but it's also rom-com between him and black black canary black canary who sees him as like oh you're like some stupid rich kid i i grew up in this you're some stupid rich kid who's like coming in here with your dumb little like tools and your and your stupid trick arrows and and you're messing things up when you know in in reality you're just like a dumb rich kid and and he his whole thing is like no i want to i want to prove to you that like i'm here to do the right thing and and really like go the distance and so yeah it's a love story about the two of them falling in love while also him building up his legend as green arrow who's playing your black canary her name is um uh, kush jumbo she is from the the good wife and the good fight amazing and so do you get to have a moment of comedy where Green Arrow comes in and says, yeah, but you're calling yourself Black Canary? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure that would probably come up. Because uh, <laughs> if that's what we're talking about, that seems like it might be a momentarily point of contention and then they would laugh about it and move on. Yeah. My other thing, too, is just like in general, like I'm, I'm trying to find a way to like do – a completely different green arrow mm-hmm. than what we yeah. got on the CW. And I was like, yeah, let's make him black. Let's make him fun. You know, like, let's... I agree. <laughs> I think that's an amazing idea. I fully support that. Yeah. So that's, that's movie one. I love green it. arrow starring Donald Glover and Kush Jumbo. So good. Uh, cool. Adam, take us away. All right. So I, I, I'm kind of going in a similar direction as Andrew. First off, Batman's in the, in the gray and the blue. Also no origin stories. Hmm. But I want to start it with I don't want to I don't want to build do a build up to a team movie. I want to start with the team movie. I want to start with World's Finest. It's Batman and Superman. Give them something they have to fix together. Introduce us to their world, all of the side characters, lots of montages. There's I was flipping through in uh, DC Universe at the old 60s World Finest comics and all of the covers the covers for each one tell their own weird little one panel story and they're hilarious like there's there's three different ones where they're all playing baseball to different (laughs) different outcomes there's different covers where batman has to execute superman or superman has to execute batman i want a montage that just does all of those one-liners like just in a row did did you ever watch rrr i haven't no 
so that movie was it's it, it's from India and it was really big this past year, and it's like it got so big on Netflix that it's getting a sequel, and R R R R. I don't know. No one knows yet. We don't uh, know yet. Um, wow. Well, that doesn't help my joke. But <laughs> but there's a montage of like these two guys who are just like the toughest guys becoming best friends. Like they they have like this one adventure moment and they like shake hands and then it's like like a five minute like Indian Bollywood kind of like music montage of these guys like working out together and playing yeah. games together <laughs> and like go yeah. like going out and like hitting on girls together. And so that's what I'm picturing when you say like Batman and Superman, like best friends montage. I'm like, oh, like an RRR. Yeah, it's yeah. just that's just, fantastic. Just um, I need somewhere in this movie to be just this montage of just absurd situations with Batman, Superman and Robin. So the first the first kind of plot line I thought of for like, all right, how do I pull these two worlds together was this bizarro idea I've had rattling around in my head for years where Lex Luthor creates a clone of Superman that goes wrong, but then (laughs) finds out that he's like the opposite of everything that Superman is. So he blasts him with a whole bunch of kryptonite and that just makes it even worse. So then we just have this like out of the cage, out of control, stupid Superman just causing havoc. So I guess I, I need to back up a little bit. So one of the things that, that I kept I kept saying when I was wa- trying to watch through the um, the Zack Snyder movies was like the stakes are always so high mm-hmm. and so dire, like the world's going to end. It's like I want something that's, you know, not quite so high stakes, something where like all of the characters can just be friends at the end. Like with the Bizarro story, I want Batman, Superman and Bizarro to become friends by the end of it. Like it's not, here's a monster that we have to kill, especially with something like Bizarro, because like, he's not right. It's not his fault. Like, I I just don't, I don't want some big monster that has to die at the end of the movie. Hmm. I think that's fair. And like, I, I want something that's, that's more colorful, more kind of fun. Cause that's really what's missing from a lot of these, a lot of these movies is we keep trying to make, these more adult movies, these more edgy or dark, like they actually get literally darker with each Batman that we make to the point where we're just going to have a black screen at some point. So like, let's turn the lights on. <laughs> let's get some color on the palette. Let's make things for everybody. Like let's, let's make a DC comics for everybody. Yeah. I like it. I think World's finest. Yeah. Did you have casting in mind or you're not going to worry about that? I have some casting in mind. I also have Donald Glover in mind, but he's my Jimmy Olsen. Oh, nice. And I want to do a Jimmy Olsen standalone movie in phase two because (laughs) Matt Fraction's Jimmy Olsen was just amazing. And I was like, I want more of this in my life. Mm. I think he would be great. Uh, Batman, uh, Batman and Superman are so hard to cast and like. I've been beating myself up over this for a while, but I keep coming back to Reed Scott for Batman. Reed Scott was on Veep. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I, not to, I literally have his phone number. Like he's one of my clients. That's so, awesome. That's, <laughs> he's just, I can call him right now and like bring him onto the show. Be like, <laughs> that would be beautiful. There's just you, Batman? Question mark. <laughs> he's got such Bruce Wayne energy, and mm-hmm. um, I just I I can draw the the cowl on his on his head, and it looks great. Like, yeah, yeah. I think Ironically, he, he is voicing Commissioner Gordon in like a Batman Christmas special. That's awesome. Awesome, Mer- Merry Little Batman. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so Reed Scott's Batman, Superman. I I just kept beating myself up over Superman. How do you cast Superman? And I came back to Brandon Routh, honestly. 
Mm. I think he's yeah. got that. He's specifically got the Clark Kent that I really like. That kind of mm-hmm. like tight wound. Yeah, like the aw shucks. And he's just he's got that that absolutely likable version of Superman. He's just everybody's best friend. And yeah, I love that energy in Superman. That's that's really good. I I think you're right, Brandon Ralph. Like, I don't know why this is the example that I'm picturing for Brandon Routh, Clark Kent, but I'm like, actually, I can't like as much as I like Henry Cavill as as Superman. And like he's he's got like the silhouette for Superman and everything. I can't picture this. I was picturing Brandon Routh is like walking into the Daily Planet. I mean, like, well, Lois, I, I grabbed you a lunch, too. And her just not caring. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work with Henry Cavill. Yeah. Yeah. That brings me back. That brings me to my Lois Lane. And it's Abby Jacobson. Ooh. That's Broad really City good. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. League of Their Own. Also, my uh, my Lex Luthor is Bob Odenkirk. Amazing. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. I can't picture him bald. I, I can. <laughs> 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 well, he had the comb over in um, in Better Call Saul. So, like, yeah. I can yeah. picture him in the bad wigs that were in, like, the original Superman movies. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I I think he he has such a great range like he can do drama really well he could do comedy insanely well and I think mm-hmm. he can do that just over the top crazy villain I think if he was cast as Lex Luthor David Cross would never forgive him <laughs> <laughs> well that's funny you should mention it because David Cross is my Bizarro no just kidding. oh no, God. no but I Bizarro to say David Cross was your Joker and I was gonna be like that makes more sense no Bizarro would be a hundred percent CGI with the voice of uh, of John DiMaggio <laughs> yeah. oh. so is he gonna say kill all humans <laughs> but like the 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 way to bring Batman into it, I thought it would be funny if Bizarro started just committing crimes in all the in all different cities, and he starts committing some crimes in Gotham, and Batman starts investigating, and he's like, "Well, there's only one person this could be, and that's Clark." So, like, you know, that's that's how we kind of bring Batman into it. Mm. And he has his phone number on his phone, and he calls him and goes, "Hey, Clark, is this you? Yeah. <laughs> Stop doing crimes. Yeah, you yeah. want to tell me why you're uh, destroying Gotham City? No. Instead, he pulls out his kryptonite and he makes a spear and bullets and gas. He's like, I, I have to take him down, and he can't see it coming. If he sees it coming, I won't be able to stop him. Oh no! And then that just makes Bizarro even stronger. Ah, <laughs> no. uh, awesome." That's fun. I like it. Yeah, I, but yeah, they they all got to become friends at the end. I, I think yeah. that that's that's the way to go. No, they all have to become super friends. There you go. I'm picturing them being friends, like getting I'm milkshakes. Sorry, Scott. <laughs> that, that's how I picture their like friendship. <laughs> that's that's the uh, the post credits. They're all hanging out, getting milkshakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all having shawarma together. <laughs> um, I just remembered, I forgot to mention in mine, like Batman absolutely, absolutely never touches guns unless he's like disassembling them. His, his equipment does not have guns. There's no guns and he doesn't kill. He definitely doesn't have like the gun that killed his parents as the chest piece of his costume. Well, that's, that's also kind of one of my hard rules is nobody dies. Mm -hmm. Mm. Nobody dies. Just not even bad guys. Like nobody, nobody has to die in this. Cause like that's, you see a lot of parachutes. Yeah, a lot of parachutes, a lot of like laser guns that miss. You know, that's sort of a Saturday morning cartoon kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. like a lot you, of throwing you, people into dumpsters. Because that that's kind of the big, the big gap with with these superhero movies is they're not they're not for kids. And it's like I think they yeah. can be. 
And I think they can be for kids and they can be for everybody. And there's ways to do that. And I, and I feel like the, the animated, the Bruce Tim series, the, the Batman Superman, they kind of nail it um, with that tone and like where the stakes usually are with those stories. You want it to feel like, uh, like princess bride kind of like, yeah, Yeah. you can watch this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that's a good rule. Cool. I like it. I think that's, uh, that's a good story. I love stuff like that. (laughs) Do we want to do another one of Scott's before we jump into my craziness? Do it. Let's do another one of Scott's before we jump into my craziness. (laughs) Okay. So trying to decide which of these to go for. All right. I'm going to go for the flash. (laughs) So that's the one we were all expecting from you. Well, yeah, I know. So, so uh, my thing with the flash um, is that one of the worst mistakes that the CW show ever made and one of the worst mistakes that the new version is going, other than the casting of the lead role, um, <laughs> one of the worst mistakes that they made from a story standpoint as well is that everything is too focused on the speed force. Everything is speed force this, speed force that, reverse speedsters, other speedsters, because no one has any sense of imagination in terms of like how criminals could give the Flash a run for his money because, you know, they're like, well, he runs really fast. It'd be so Unintended. easy. Yeah. Huh? Yes, of course. Pun intended. <laughs> I just don't bring attention to him like you do. Okay. Um, good. <laughs> so I need people to know how smart I am, Scott. <laughs> um. So so my my villain in this is uh, Captain Cold. Yes. Um, Mm-hmm. And 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 Captain Cold to me, he's going to start out. He's just Len Snart, and he's just like a, a a big time criminal, right? And what what happens is when Barry becomes the Flash, and you know starts using his powers around town he's obviously taking out all these criminals, and so you get like in the first half of this, he's taking out every. Every crime person, the prison is like overcrowded now, like everybody's everybody's in. And Len Snart, who was very well known and famous for guy, one of the most successful criminals of all time in that, like no one knew who he was. He'd never been caught. And then Barry Allen catches him. The Flash catches him, puts him in jail for the first time. And so now he's like laser focused on A, getting out of prison and B, putting like putting a stop to the Flash because this guy cannot go unpunished for 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 one, catching me and two, no one will ever be able to do crime again if if this thing, if this guy is is around. So like we have to put a stop to him. We got to figure out how to put a stop to him. And in prison he meets a group of other people and of yeah. course all of these guys are the uh, become the other rogues mm. so what happens is they all band together and break out of prison and then they break out and immediately they break into star labs and steal a bunch of equipment in star labs it's all stuff that they did not create themselves. They just stole it from Star Labs, different experiments, uh, a wand that controls the weather, a, a gun that allows you to go through portals and mirrors, and then, of course, you know, an ice gun, and then a, a bunch of stupid bullshit um, that I'll get to in a second, but, but specifically boots that allow you to walk on air. And so they all steal this stuff. And then what they do is they divide and conquer. They all, they, every time that they are going to steal stuff they all do it simultaneously across the town Mm -hmm. and the and the flash has to figure out how to stop them but 
because he's used to just regular non-powered criminals and used to them doing things one at a time it it like basically uh tears him up and the 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 rogues get the better of him and he has to learn to overcome this and be smarter about how he fights these criminals in order to overcome the rogues. And so my my rogue team is Captain Cold, Mirror Master, Weather Wizard, and the the Trickster and Heatwave, the the classic Flash Rogues team. And and yeah, it's a divide and conquer story where the Flash doesn't have to like beat the speed force or beat another speedster it's just like he has to learn how to be in multiple places at the same time and trust his uh his teammates to like help him do that essentially amazing yeah that's super fun so my flash is dan stevens because i Hmm. feel like dan stevens is the platonic ideal barry allen he looks like barry allen walked out of the comics and exists in real life it's stupid who they've cast as the flash in the movies when dan stevens is right there i just that's, ugh. that's so funny andrew weren't you saying that you also cast okay. dan you know stevens? i think uh, i think dan stevens <laughs> is gonna be on mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's dan stevens as the flash um my iris west the thing about Iris West is she kind of sucks in everything. She's just kind of boring and like a nothing character. She's very bland and no one knows what to do with her. My feeling on Iris West is that in order to make her interesting, I think you got to make her a little quirky. You got to make her give her like a like just like a weird vibe. Uh, and so like I my my feeling I haven't cast anyone specifically because none of these people I feel are quite age appropriate for Dan Stevens. But I want like a Poppy from Mythic Quest type or a Lydia West type or a Rachel Brosnahan type. Those kinds of things. Lydia Lydia West, she was in um, Dr- the Dracula show that came out a few years ago. She was in It's a Sin. She is a British actress, um, but she's like quickly becoming one of my new favorite actresses. I think she's phenomenal, uh, but she is a little young. Uh, Rachel Brosnahan, of course, is from uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, something in that vibe of like a more interesting actress i think will bring an interesting personality because yeah i want this to be like i want her to be a character that like we're not afraid to see fall on her face literally like trip and fall on her face (laughs) if if you know that kind of vibe it's not it's not a love interest that you see a lot um especially on the female side of things you don't see a female love interest be like that kind of like uh, dorky sort of eccentric kind of vibe. yeah it, it's rare in especially these sorts of media where the dorky one who's just trying to impress the cool one is the the woman trying to impress the cool guy right right and it, 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 they don't they don't hallmark movie it up and they should yeah they absolutely should and so that's my iris West. my captain cold so like i said he's been a long time criminal and so I cast an older guy um, in this role, and I just think, oh my god, if you cast Idris Elba as Captain, Cole, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my god. Oh, um, so that'd yeah. be rad. I'm just imagining Idris Elba with the glasses and the part, the 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 parka, yeah. like just mm-hmm. the whole look. Yeah. Oh, come on, um, so good. Uh, he would have so much fun doing that. Absolutely. Really good. Absolutely. I don't know who I would cast as Mirror Master or, or for Weather Wizard, but for Mirror Master, I was thinking maybe Simon Pegg could be a fun choice um, for Mirror Master. And then my trickster is Aaron Paul um, mm. from from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I think he would be a really fun trickster. So, yeah, that's my that's my Flash movie. I, I mean, if you want to go a little bit silly, is there like for your Weather Wizard 
just make it Nick Frost. <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess so. I feel like he would be a better heat wave um, than a weather wizard, <laughs> but yeah. I, I think I you could even Frost have a moment point. where, like, yeah, but like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh. Uh, genuinely, I, I didn't even think about that. I just thought, like, because they have the comedic pairing and they have the timing, it would be fun then if Nick Frost reaches for the heat gun and then, no, he gets stuck with the weather wand. He's like, oh, come on, guys. Oh, man, the weather Fine. wand is so much cooler than the heat wave, though. The heat wave I thing. know that, and you know that, but these are <laughs> yeah. villains looking at super-powered guns, and they're like, do they want the cool gun or do they want the magic wand? Yeah. They don't know that the magic wand is that is the weather wand. Although, you could also have fun with it by casting Daniel Radcliffe as weather, weather wizard. <laughs> that would also be great. <laughs> I see what you did there. Or, uh, or better yet, you just make it Rupert Grint. You sure, Yeah. <laughs> That would also be awesome. He would also be really good. <laughs> good. But yeah, so that's my that's my Flash movie. I like um, it. That's that's great. Yeah. Awesome. So, there we go. Cool. That's a bunch of super fun movies. So I guess now tuck in and relax everybody cuz you're going to be here right. a while. Oh no. All right. We I did this the only way I know how and I outlined a movie <laughs> and then it kept being longer than I thought it was going to be. So I apologize. Here we go. <laughs> Look, up in the sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's... Run! A giant meteor careens across the skyline. The people of Detroit scream and try to take cover. Then a flash of blue and red streaks across the sky, heading towards the meteor. Screams of terror turn into shouts of joy. It's Superman! We get to see Superman! And and we also get to live! Yay! (laughs) In the distance, we see the lone figure clad in primary colors sneak ahead of the meteor. He slows it down and then stops it. Superman lifts the meteor over his head and slowly flies back over Detroit. The citizens cheer as Superman, played by Dylan O'Brien, waves down at them. Superman takes the space giant space rock and flies off with it. On the ground, people start to settle and return to what they were doing before their entire existence and lives were almost wiped out in a giant smooshing from space. This is where we meet John, Boyega. John is a little flustered, but helps an older lady onto her feet. After making making sure she's all right, John heads into an office for military veterans. John is there because his benefits are expiring. He was a Marine and served two tours. It's explained to John that thanks to all the various heroes, the United States was overwhelmingly pressured to begin shrinking its military budget. This is a fantasy series after all. But because this is still the United States, they start with the so-called entitlement programs to the country's veterans. So the government slashed military benefits. It's what the people wanted, say the politicians. John, disgusted, leaves. In the sky, a green man fights off a giant yellow smoke cloud. John and most of the people around him ignore it. As John walks past an alley, he sees a young woman being mugged. John looks back up at the green man, who appears to be throwing green fists at the yellow cloud. John runs into the alley and scares off the muggers. The woman thanks John and walks off. John looks back up at the battle in the sky, scoffs, and goes home. The next day, John is at the library, working on some sort of resume. He has his military service listed, and that's about it. We'll get a glimpse of John's home life in the community. John gets a lead on a job, but when he goes to check it out, he gets distracted by a homeless man. A red blur zooms by, heading towards a giant robot in the distance, but that doesn't help this man who needs food. John is late for the interview and doesn't get the job because he stopped to get food for the homeless man. As he's walking home again... Again, Superman flies over the city. The people cheer, and then boom! A green beam from space hits Superman, and he's gone. The world goes nuts as people freak out about the death, uh, or at the very least, disappearance of Superman. Other heroes start to migrate to Detroit to investigate. 
Wonder Woman, played by a Brazilian actress named Alice Braga, flies overhead in her invisible jet as the red streak flashes back over the city. He's moving so fast, it might be an actor we recognize, but who knows? (laughs) Another green beam appears from the sky, but this time lands in the center of town. A winged man in a metal helmet steps out. His name is Hro Talik, played by Rami Malek. And this is Earth's only warning. Surrender or be destroyed. Immediately, Hro is attacked. The red blur streaks out of nowhere and starts throwing punches. Hro puts up a shield and flips a switch on his armor, sending out a wave of electricity that paralyzes the Flash. In that moment, the Flash is hit by the green beam from space, and he too vanishes. With a mighty bellow, Wonder Woman descends, punching down at Hro. Hro narrowly dodges. This is a much closer fight. Wonder Woman damages and dents Hro's armor, truly hurting him. Hro gasps for breath and tries the same electric charge, but Wonder Woman dodges it. Hro looks around as the Green Man, Green Lantern, obviously, and others start to surround him. He times it just right, and as Wonder Woman flies in to deliver the final blow, Hro hits a button and they're both hit by the green beam from space and disappear. This is immediately followed by another, much larger beam that drops and stays. No one approaches for a moment, and then hordes of other Thanagarians fly out and start attacking the city. All the heroes present start to fight back. It's a massive battle, let me tell you. Totally worthy of description, but we're going to be here for a while, so I'm going to move on. What you need to know now is that the green man goes to attack a squad of hawkmen and women, and he's hit in the head by a rock. Why, Why would anyone be... It's John. John threw the rock. He makes clear that fighting is less important than getting all the civilians to safety. Hal Jordan, being played by Arturo Castro, because I need a comedian who can do quips, uh, (laughs) agrees. And because Hal helped John get civilians off the street, he ends up being the only superhero that doesn't get disappeared by a green space beam. Hal Jordan, John Stewart, and a community center full of civilians watch on television as the Thanagarians take over Detroit and other cities around the world. So that's the end of Act 1. Act 2. As the Thanagarian occupation continues, John and Hal are mid-disagreement. Hal wants to go and fight, and John keeps trying to stop him. Fighting is what got everyone else taken. We need to take some time. They they, they need some sort of line of defense for when the Hawks start coming after the civilians. Hal says John doesn't know that they'll do that. And John says that's what forces like this always do. They take control, and then they start hurting the people, the, the weakest among everybody. And Hal says that's why they have to stop them now, and on and on and on, and they go in a loop. And then they take this conversation outside. Hal says that in the end, there really isn't anything John can do to stop Hal from going and doing superhero shenanigans. John stands his ground. The only argument that John can make is that they have absolutely no information, so there's no point going in blind. This is tactical. They need to find a way to get more... Crash! Neither noticed the blue space beam that dropped a young Thanagarian woman, superhero landing, right in front of them. This is Shaira Hall, Jane Levy. John and Hal immediately attack. John disarms Shaira of her metal mace, and Hal wraps her up in a glowing green cage. Shaira is unfazed. She says they did pretty well. Hal and John aren't having any of that. They immediately start asking questions. John wants to know who else is there, who knows their location, what else is going on, and Hal's asking what happened to the rest of his friends, the other superheroes. Shaira waits for them to finish screaming, and when they do, she explains that they're really, she isn't there to help them, she's there to get Hal and Jordan to help her and they don't know what's going on. It's at this point that John realizes that Shaira is different. While the other Thanagarians are wearing metal armor and helmets, Shaira is dressed in more loose and softer clothing, including a cloth mask. Shaira asks if John is enjoying examining her wardrobe, and John blushes but stays on task. Why should they help her? 
Jair says that, that that what's happening right now is not the way of her people. Sure, Thanagarians are mighty warriors, but they're not an invading force. And even if they were, Earth has nothing their advanced race could want. Something is wrong, and she's going to find out what it is. Hal wants to lock Shire up, but John stops him. Hal wanted to attack, but had no info, no intel, and now they might have a shot. Shire can tell them how the Thanagarian weapons work. So that's what happens. John, Hal, and, and Shire stealth their way through the, the Thanagarian army. They have close calls, quick encounters, saving each other from danger, earning each other's trust. You know, the sort of kind of fun montage that we get where we're learning to love our characters as people and ah, chemistry. Uh, there's even a moment where Shaya takes off her mask in order to blend in, but it quickly goes back on. John definitely noticed, though. John steals an axe from another Thanagarian. They lure another into the sewer. Shaya says the space beam needs a, a clear shot from space. Hal, John, and Shaira corner the lone Thanagarian foot soldier, but he refuses to answer any questions. And when it becomes clear there is no escape, the foot soldier screams a code in a language Shaira doesn't understand and then starts beeping. John tackles Shaira to the ground and Hal forms a shield as the foot soldier explodes. Hal, John, and Shaira are safe, but now they're exposed to the sky and a squadron of other Thanagarians. Big old battle happens. John and Shaira are back-to-back fighting off the Thanagarians. They don't even seem to recognize her. Hal's doing Green Lantern things. He wipes out half the squadron on his own. And then Hero shows up. He sees Shaira and points at her. Hal sees this and dodges in front of both her and John, just as a green sky beam would come crashing down. Hal shields them for as long as he can. He, he tells John and Shaira to run, and they do. Hal holds off the beam, wrapping himself in an orb of green energy. The orb starts to crack. Hal knows he can't hold it for long. He looks down at his ring. He says, you're on your own, buddy. Good luck. And he throws the ring out of the beam, out of the beam just as the orb shatters. Hal disappears into the beam the same way as the rest of the heroes. The green ring falls to the ground. It glows, lifts up, then shoots across the plaza to Jon Stewart. The ring slides on his finger and turns Jon into the Green Lantern. Chira says that's cool and all, but they, they gotta go. And they run. Hero watches them go and speaks, that, and speaks that same unintelligible language and then flies off. John and Shaira, who quickly realize that they don't have to run now since they can both fly, uh, make it to the outskirts of town and then they see the giant Thanagarian tower. The tower appears to be pumping electronic impulses into the planet, scanning it. Well, John says, now they have a solid target to attack. End of Act 2. As we begin Act 3, John and Shaira are back at the shelter, partly checking on the civilians, but mostly planning on their attack of the Thanagarian superstructure. Or not that Thanagarian, since Shaira says that it doesn't match the technology, it's just where, blah, 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 doesn't matter. The important thing is that thanks to some insight that John and Shaira got from some random email, from someone who just wants to help, who scanned the building while it was trying to scan her, they get this email from someone named Oracle, which is an awfully pretentious thing to call yourself, but... Basically, they know that all the Thanagarians are now linked to the building, but are also doing everything they can to protect it. John and Shaira need to get inside so they can Death Star it, but will be sitting ducks when they try to attack, especially because now the sewers are being monitored. Some of the civilians offer to help, but John turns them down. It's, it's too dangerous. The civilians say that a few hours ago, John was just as much a civilian as they are. They're sick of being seen as victims, and this is their town too. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> so, anyway, guerrilla warfare it is. The citizens of Detroit line the streets and alleys to distract the Thanagarians long enough for John and Shaira to get to the building. John tries to plan out a strategy and figure out a tactical. Shaira hits the door with her mace. She hits it really, really hard. Anyway, they get inside. 
There's some fighting and harrowing moments, and it's all very actiony and exciting. John saves Shaira, Shaira saves John, and they do that awkward close thing, then they get embarrassed like how teens do, but they're adults and audiences like that for some reason. Uh, so I've been talking for a while, so let's say they get to the showdown with Rotalic. Turns out he and Shaira have a bit of a past, but he doesn't seem to remember that. John feels a little used because it sure seems like Shaira was using him to get to Roe, but drama aside, they win. And Shaira deals the final blow, knocking his metal helmet clean off. This is the first time we've seen Thanagarians without their metal helmets. And in the middle of his forehead are three green circles forming a V. At this point, Hiro's, at this point, Hiro's voice changes. It gets more mechanical and robotic. It congratulates them both on their work, but they're too late. The process has already happened and the upload is about to begin. The giant building glows green and fires off one of those green space beams, but off into parts unknown. Instead of coming from space, this one's going out into space. Brainiac Row hits a button and disappears into the mechanism. Shaira and John try to go after him, but end up outside. They see green energy spreading around from the buildings and dragging every, anything and everything into its path to be digitized and shot into space. They only have one shot at stopping it. John has to use his ring to scoop the whole thing out so it can't physically connect with anything around it. John has absolutely no idea how to do that. He doesn't even know how the ring works. No time to figure that out. John listens to the space ring and just Chaira yells back, do your best over her shoulder as she fends off multiple squadrons of the Thanagarians that they're now surrounded by. John closes his eyes and listens to the ring and it comes to him. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. John opens his eyes, and from his ring, he's lifted the entire structure off the surface of the planet. It's just sort of hovering there. Then it starts to crack and rumble. Shaira shouts, get rid of it! And John hurls the entire building into space, where it collapses and kind of gets sucked up into its own beam, and is like kind of recedes into space uh, with, with the beam itself. When it does, the remaining Thanagarian soldiers blink, drop their weapons, and collapse. Shaira goes over to one and removes the female soldier's helmet fallen soldiers three green circles fade and fall off the thanagarian is alive but out cold john goes over to shaira he apologizes for his jealousy and he's sorry about being judgmental and she kisses him so that's fun john gets a message on his phone again from that oracle and all it says is we need to talk the mid-credits scene teases how jordan now powerless landing in the center of a room he looks up, up into the control panel of a massive supercomputer the largest characteristic of which is three green glowing circles prominently displayed. This is Brainiac. Brainiac reveals the Taken heroes, all of them now with green circles on their foreheads. Hal asks what it plans to do. Brainiac says that they've only just begun to fulfill their programming as wires come out and place three green circles on Hal's forehead too. End of movie. Mm. So, my franchise setup is that now the earth's mightiest heroes have been taken over by brainiac and the series of movies that will now exist is green lantern and uh hawk girl going into space uh, going on a green lantern space adventure to each planet where one of the superheroes has been sent to conquer the planet for brainiac so it can be scanned and digitized as per what brainiac does so if we see for example a flash movie Flash is the villain until they beat Flash and get Flash free, and then Flash is a part of their team. I like so it. So it's a series of movies where they're going around the the galaxy, the universe, whatever, rescuing different planets from the different heroes. And the final movie is Justice League once they've all come back together. Mm. 
And now at last, they're going to fight off Brainiac, who doesn't have a physical form and is just a supercomputer until the very end. So basically, every movie is after this is acquiring the superhero and then it is with them and those superheroes going off. And then obviously the second to last one will be Superman because that's the biggest threat. Sure. And so that is my start of a brand new DC version of a franchise. Hmm. Thoughts and notes. I like, <laughs> I like the, the going into space, like uh, cosmic DC is always a lot of fun. I feel the same way about Marvel. Like once the Marvel movies got into space, it got so much more fun. Yeah. And it's stuff we haven't seen. I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to center this around the re- around the Green Lantern is because that's a character that hasn't really been present in this iteration of the DC mm-hmm. movies. I yeah. mean, one of the kind of like snarky ideas I had was when I originally had the idea of like a green beam from space like comes down or, or whatever. It's like I was going to kill the Ryan Reynolds, Hal Jordan, and then have his ring go to Jon Stewart. But I was like, mm-hmm. that's just mean. That's not fun. And I'm like, no, I want this to be fun. I want this to be something for kids. Like, we have that one Thanagarian explode, but largely there's no death in this. And I I just want it to be a fun, interesting story that does things that we haven't really seen before. And the things that we have seen before, there's a twist on them. Because this is basically Star-Crossed, which is the, yeah. the Justice League finale. Right. But then I do the twist where the Thanagarians are, like, being controlled by Brainiac, who also hasn't really existed in... Mm-hmm the dc universe like the dc movies as of yet and brainiac's a huge part of the comics it's like it's i love brainiac brainiac's mm-hmm. i think one of my favorite superman villains because he's yeah. just so so over the top such yeah. a such a huge threat too yeah and I, is a threat to anyone and everything and it's something that's like kind of because of the same the same reason we have superman is the same reason we have brainiac and i always mm-hmm. think it's cool anyway. i i like and, and I think it's like notably different than what we see in the the bulk of superhero movies that each movie beyond this one is very much like proactive. The heroes are making their plan to, you know, rescue another hero so they can make their team stronger. Right. Like it's like inverse Thanos where like the superheroes yeah. are the infinity stones and they're going to spend seven movies collecting all the heroes so they can have the big fight and they can take out the the bad guy, but they're actually like planning and preparing. They're less reactive. Right. Cause right. usually we might have like some part of the movie that is okay. We actually planned something and we're actually executing that. But most of the time they are reacting to something that they're totally not expecting. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. this threat has appeared and, and now it's actually like kicking my butt. And now I have to find a way to overcome that. Whereas in this case, it's okay. We got to go rescue the flash. How are we going to do that? What kind of powers does he have that we're going to have to deal with? And how how do we plan this, you know, hero heist? I I realized this morning as I was thinking over my ideas that I also kind of stole a little bit from the end of season one of Young Justice. Because at the end of season one of Young Justice, like oh, yeah. all, all of the superheroes have been taken over by like brain control, Starro chips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the core Justice League went off and were off in space for like 12 hours or something and they don't know what they were doing during that time and like you think that that's what's going to be season two's all that's what season two is going to be all about is figuring out what was going on during that 12 and then it never matters and i'm just like no that matters (laughs) and i also like the idea of all of these people are missing from earth and so like if we spend 
phase one going on space adventures, when they do finally come back to Earth, then all of a sudden we can see the reemergence and the taking over of the different villains who would have been taking over their individual towns. Mm. Like with the absence of Superman, Lex Luthor has taken over Metropolis and then we can start getting those series of movies. Mm-hmm. But Sam, you Sam, also you... noticed I did not cast a Batman because I was like, nope, too much Batman. And Sam, you broke one of my hard rules that I had for myself, which is no collecting anything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Like, no no Chaos Emeralds, no Energon Cubes. No broadcast energy transmitters. But but you broke it in a way that I wasn't expecting, which is the the heroes themselves are the thing that needs to be collected. I mean, you know me and my love of Pokemon, and I got to collect them all. Yeah, you got to get all those Dragon Balls, man. (laughs) I do. You got it gotta get all those red star balls the Earth <laughs> I'm, I'm actually now i'm picturing like when they're figuring this out john stewart saying like gotta catch them all and she's just like <laughs> what are you talking about is well, that a reference to something it's funny when i was when i was uh pitching stuff to the the tales from the short box gang uh one of the ideas rj gave me was like you should have toy man be your main villain and he's doing the uh that marvel build a character where he has to collect all of the <laughs> but then the, the character at the end is dark side and i was like no i was uh, like that's, that's what i set the rules like no collecting there, there will be no collecting and also the problem with that is like if you're collecting all of them in order to like get all of the different pieces what your actual final villain is in that case is amazo <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true but yeah i don't know i just thought that'd be fun plant seeds for future things that's that's an outline for a movie um a 400 million dollar movie yeah (laughs) Yeah. like i mean (laughs) it's ideal scott i got no limits and i tried to play around with a little bit of like because like i knew i was using space beams but i was trying to like implicitly be like yeah but these are it's a different kind of space beam it's a space beam that eats superheroes and drops (laughs) off women yeah but it's all it's all basically in detroit so there's not a lot of travel budget (laughs) yeah i mean i also put it in detroit because i'm like well that's where john stewart is (laughs) can't go anywhere else (laughs) the you know the most dc of of city names detroit Uh (laughs) anyway that was my idea i've i've uh I've taken enough of the time. We have two more pitches to get to. We have an Adam pitch and a Scott pitch. Who'd like to go next? Well, mine's quick. Mine's more of it, more of just a different idea for the same premise. Yeah, great. Tell us where the the idea is. And I've heard this. I've heard this, and I've seen this a couple different ways. Someone's trying to assassinate Clark Kent, mm. not <laughs> Superman. Clark Kent, and yeah. I just I like the idea of Brandon Routh just walking away. From, as as Clark Kent from things that he shouldn't have been able to walk away from. There's there's an old school like the the old old cartoon where there's a guy uh, pulling pranks all over Gotham, and he pushes a safe off the top of a building and it's going to fall on Lois Lane and Clark Kent pushes her out of the way and then he gets hit in the head with the safe and Lois goes, "You're Superman. You've always been Superman. I always kind of suspected." And then like Clark picks it up, he goes, "It's cardboard." <laughs> and then of course there's the the famous one from the superman animated series the the, the uh, bruce tim yeah, one where it's yeah like, uh, it's a how, how could he have escaped everything was planned <gasps> he's superman click dead uh, right yeah, gas chamber yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, i don't think i'd go quite so hard but it, again though it's the, so good the way to bring in batman is it gets no it, like there's a hit out on clark kent because of and he's a journalist right like he covered some 
story that you know got him some bad attention he and stuck it gets his nose in where it didn't belong like just so many failed attempts at killing him that they just get the league of assassins involved nice <laughs> I love it. That's that's very funny. Yeah. So that was that was my other idea. I like that a lot. I think I think that's just that's just a fun one-off movie. Yeah. It but, doesn't you don't need it to pull in anything else larger. It's it's just like it's just Batman and Superman having to deal with this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Completely but, contained. I love that. I think but that's you, you can also pepper in like other side characters. Like you can you can have the elongated man in the scene or whatever. Or, and then like you kind of leave the door open to maybe spin off movies from there. You kind of yeah. open up the world. Yeah. Yeah. Just start planting seeds. I like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. We got one more. Yeah. The wind is a little out of my sails. Uh, oh, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but it's because uh, strap in, everybody, because we're talking about Green Lantern again. Um, yeah. <laughs> the best one. The best one. So, yeah. So this is called The Green Lantern. And my my issue with Green Lantern in general is that I and I, the reason why I think uh, making a movie would be exceedingly difficult in most cases is that. I I think that the Green Lantern mythos is needlessly complicated and requires way too much exposition in order to explain what any of it is. Where what what is Oa? What are the Guardians? What are their powers? So they can, they create anything they want. What does that have to do with them being space cops? And like it's, it's <laughs> the it's battery. Too, the... Yeah, yeah. It's just it's too Yo. yeah. The, the, all of that stuff. It's too much. It's I think for general audiences, it's just too much information that has to be shoved down their throat in a movie for anyone to understand, which is why my pitch for a Green Lantern movie is starting with Kyle Rayner. Oh, nice. And, uh, and Kyle Rayner, for those of you who don't know, was the fourth Green Lantern and was the one that came in when there was no more Green Lantern Corps. Uh, Parallax destroyed the Green Lantern Corps. Hal Jordan became this sort of got got possessed by this evil power and destroyed Oa, killed the Guardians who are, you know, in charge of Oa and the rest of the Green Lantern Corps. And so everybody's dead. There is no Green Lantern. Um, But Ganthet, the lead Guardian who kind of saw it coming takes the takes one final basically takes the last of the core power from the green lantern core creates one battery and one ring and then just gets into a ship because he no longer has the power to like fly wherever he wants or or whatever so he has to actually take a literal ship to earth crash lands in an alley and hands it to the first person that he sees and that is kyle rayner so kyle rayner has no business being a superhero this is one of my problems with green lantern in general is that the whole point of green lantern is that the ring chooses the perfect person the person who's meant to be a green lantern so then during their whole like uh, I don't know if I'm going to be cut out for this. It's like, no, you are because I know because the ring chose yeah. you and the ring is all powerful and knows that you're the right person for the job. So get over yourself and just like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go be a hero, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Shut up. Stop complaining. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Guy Gardner's the only one who's like, yes, they picked right. Yeah, exactly. So so oh, I, yeah. <laughs> but, but like I hate that faux like, oh, I don't know if I'm the right person. I hate that. I hate it with Green Lantern because it doesn't make it like you are the right person. It is all powerful. It knows all. It sees all. And it shows you. Get over it. But with Kyle Rayner, 
it didn't. There's no power left to choose someone to have the ring. It's just that Ganthic crash lands in an alley at the, at the outside of a bar at the time that this guy is having an argument with his girlfriend and comes out and is like, oh, my God, I just saw this little alien dude crash <laughs> in an alley and he's handing me an all powerful ring and he becomes the one and only Green Lantern. But to me, what is interesting about this is the idea of him trying to investigate what the green like he has no idea what green lanterns are there's never been an earth-based green lantern there has been people from earth who became green lanterns but they never like protect earth because earth doesn't know about green lanterns um that's kind of like the whole the whole thing it's like when hal jordan was green lantern he never came back to earth he just stayed in space and was a space cop with the rest of the green lanterns same thing with john stewart carol danvers was mad about it yeah um, we never saw her again. And then <laughs> and, 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 and Guy Gardner, you know, same deals, just stayed, stayed, you know, opened a bar on an alien planet and whatever, you know, never came back to Earth. Um, that was like the whole that's the whole thing. So he has no idea what this ring is. He doesn't know how it works. He's got to figure it out. He's also not meant to have it. So this is a struggle. He is, however, an artist. And and so he ends up unlocking the Green Lantern power through his creativity. And so that's his whole thing is like he's very creative. So he imagines very creative things and that's how he uses the ring eventually. And so, yeah, he is doing this. But the villain in this is like uh, maybe it's like a, a Red Lantern or maybe it's like a random Yellow Lantern or something like that. But it's one of the bad ones, one of the. <laughs> one of the warm colors um and uh and and they show up because they hear about a green lantern and they're like no the green lanterns need to be they're done parallax killed them and we want them to stay that way and so he comes there to like stop whoever this other green lantern is and he's way in over his head kyle rayner and so what happens is in his first televised appearance as as green lantern in like some sort of fight maybe the initial fight with this guy maybe an initial fight with like bank robbery or something like that he is seen on television and who sees him but john stewart one of the only last surviving green lanterns he no longer is a green lantern but he escaped back to earth and he's on earth but he's like an older you know older guy and he's like you know in his 40s and is like uh, that guy's got a green lantern ring holy shit you know the, the green lantern is like ganthet flew here slow speed so like it's been it's been it's been like 10 years since the green lantern corps was destroyed he was like in that ship for 10 years flying over here because you know if you're in like a little escape pod it's not you know you're not going to be able to fly at like multiple light speed and so and he and he still is and it still took 10 years point is John Stewart is one of the last surviving Green Lanterns, and he becomes Kyle's mentor and teaches him things about it in sort of a way that the, that Obi-Wan taught Luke Skywalker about the Jedi. Nice. He is teaching him about what the Green Lantern Corps is, and he like basically sums it up like, yeah, they protected the galaxy. They were like space cops, you know. I was one of them, and and you know, uh, we got a little uh, big for our britches, and. And then he starts talking about Parallax. Now, we all know that Hal Jordan is Parallax, but we're not going to let the audience in on that information. You know, Parallax is, that's the only thing they refer to him as. And then he also refers to the man who trained him, which is Hal Jordan, much like 
Anakin Skywalker and 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 Darth Vader, mm-hmm. we're nice. we're we're not making the connection that they're the same person. That that uh, Hal Jordan, the greatest Green Lantern of all time, which is what John Stewart refers to him as, he was the greatest of us. You know, because he doesn't want to sully this guy's legacy because he knows that Parallax is not Hal Jordan. That that that, that there's something there. Um, he, he's got so, a certain but, point of view. Yes, he does yeah. indeed. I love old, burned out, washed up, retired John Stewart. You know, forty five. Yes, right. <laughs> well, military yeah. washed out is like forty five. That is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so he's in his forties, but then he's like, he goes to him, and like the first time that he meets Kyle, he's like, "Give me that ring. Like, you cannot have that ring. Like, you have no. I saw what you did on the new. Like, you just can't have that. I don't know how you got it." But like he's like, yeah, like some guardian guy gave it to like some little guy, alien guy gave it to me and whatever. And he's like, I don't I don't care. Like, I don't y- y- give it to me like you cannot have this. I've used it before. I know what I'm doing. Like, give me that ring. You cannot have that. Also, you're going to attract attention that we don't need, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Why shouldn't I have it? Why Why shouldn't I be the one to carry the ring? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so Kyle, Kyle, like, you know, flips him off and like goes off and does his own thing. He's like, whatever. Like, I'm going to do this. I Fli- was flips him this. off with the finger that the yeah, ring is with, on. With the giant <laughs> ring finger. Yeah. Um, you old man. Yeah. And uh, and leaves, but then one of then he runs into someone else, and that is Guy Gardner, the other <laughs> Earth I, Green Lantern who came back. I had originally expected you to say that Guy Gardner was going to be his mentor. And yeah, Guy so, Gardner's like, give me well, the ring. No, so so Guy Gardner <laughs> shows up, and he actually came from space. He was running the bar in space, but he he's comes a- back and he hears about the Green Lantern, and he's like, "Hell yeah, the Green Lantern Corps is back, baby!" And 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 they're like, "I mean, it's not, it's 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 not like." Well, um, it is it's just, just it's one not ring. you, not you. Yeah, it's just a guy. And he was like, "Oh, well, we should go talk to my buddy John Stewart." And so he's the one who brings Kyle back to John Stewart, and and you know, John Stewart has a lot of animosity toward the kid, but like Guy Gardner is like, "Ah, it's fine." Like you know, we'll teach him what we'll teach him the ropes. Like it's fine. Like it's good. You know, and and, and so then voice of reason, Guy Gardner. Yes, yeah. But like, well, very irresponsible Guy Gardner, you know, Um, he's like, everything's going to be fine. Uh, You know, I'm Guy Gardner, whatever. And so so they start training him on how to become how to be a Green Lantern. And in doing so, you know, over the course of the thing, when they fight the other Lantern, right, he learns that there is a possibility that if Kyle learns how to use all of the other ring powers and, and can do all of them and become a White Lantern, he can rebirth Oa and bring it back um, and bring the Green Lantern Corps back. And so that's the series. Like that is, Mm. that is like their goal over the course of the series um, is that like, that's what they learn at the very end of the movie. And then going forward, that's what they do. And, and yeah, and that's, so that's my, that's my Green Lantern is like, you learn a little bit more about Green Lantern as you go along. Parallax is the overarching villain that we'll see. He's the one who is sending these other like red lanterns and yellow lanterns and and his like direct underling his star scream is sinestro just because i love the idea of like sinestro begrudgingly working for like an evil hal jordan yeah which i i just find that so funny but uh but yeah I love sinestro doesn't get to be in charge of the sinestro core yeah 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 so so Amazing. that's 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 my thing my kyle rayner so kyle rayner has an interesting ethnic thing where like he started out and he was just Irish and then they retconned that his dad wasn't actually Irish. He was Mexican. And so now he's 
Latin or Latin mix. Um, he's like Irish Latin, which is you know, a weird combination, but um, that is a weird combination. Yeah, but that's that's what he is, I guess. So I I cast a different couple of different things, but I also think that with that being a retcon, I kind of wanted to necessarily. I have two choices. So like I have Tyler Posey, who is like the lead on uh, Teen Wolf, the Teen Wolf show, the one Dylan O'Brien's in, right? The one that Dylan O'Brien's in. <laughs> As as my as my Kyle Rayner um, as the sort of like Hispanic version of Kyle Rayner. If you go another direction, I have always wanted to see like before I knew about any of this because this was retcon like fairly recently, like in the last like fifteen years or something like that. I had always imagined a Kyle Rayner that was Asian, and so I actually cast Darren Barnett from um, he was in that that Mindy Kaling show. She's not in it, but she writes it. The Netflix. Never uh, have I ever. To, oh, that one. Got yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, never have I ever. He's in that, and he's half Japanese, and I think he looks like Kyle Rayner. He would be good. I mean, he has some comedy chops, obviously, um, working in a comedy show. For John Stewart, now this was the other thing too. Is like you could do this as Kyle Rayner, but you could also, if you wanted to, just take Kyle Rayner out of this and just put John Stewart in the exact same place. Right. Yeah. And, and do a John Stewart movie. And in that case, I would cast Jonathan majors as John Stewart, but as an slightly older John Stewart, I put uh Nyambi Nyambi who is also from uh, the good fight. And uh, I like him a lot. He's really, really good as guy Gardner. I feel like I have chosen the perfect guy Gardner. I don't think anyone could I'm so ever excited be for this. I feel weirdly affectionate towards guy Gardner okay. because, because I'm like, he's like the worst green lantern. <laughs> yeah. And everyone knows it, but yeah. he's also got a chip on his shoulder. He's like, I'm a green lantern guys. Yeah. Like, stop I, did get, I got picked like, <laughs> There's yeah. got to be something good about me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I also, Guy Gardner kind of has the coolest Green Lantern costume because it's like the the vest and it's mm. got like the the double breasted vest. So it's got like the lapel flopping. Yeah. That and it's like, cool. that's like, that's a lot cooler than the basic Green Lantern costume. Yeah. That is true. That is true. So my Guy Gardner is Rob McElhaney from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, <laughs> Who is just an absolute perfect guy, Gardner. That's perfect. Yeah, that's amazing. And then uh, my Hal Jordan parallax, just because I think this reveal, especially if you don't, if you save the reveal of like Hal Jordan being parallax until the very end, and then you reveal like parallax turns around and then Tom Cruise is parallax. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! <laughs> oh, and the idea would be great. like he became Hal Jordan in like the late seventies, early eighties. Um, right, became Green Lantern around that era. And back when he was Green a Top Gun since. pilot. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they say, yeah. Well, the Green ba- Green Lantern and Parallax powers keep him from aging, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or slows <laughs> not, it down at least. Not not plastic surgery. It's the Green no, Lantern no, no, power. No. <laughs> Certainly isn't all the ritual sacrifice. No. no. Yeah. No. <laughs> Certainly not. Certainly isn't the collective will of an, of an entire religion <laughs> yeah but Let's i just i love the run. idea of a post mission impossible tom cruise playing the villain in a yeah. in a superhero series yeah um, i don't know did you have sinestro and, in mind and specifically for parallax how jordan it's always all about the smile and for tom cruise it's all about the smile yeah yeah how are so. you gonna get him to sprint uh, I won't. I wouldn't. He would be pushing seventy at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you gonna get him to sprint though? 
Uh, yeah, uh, someone's like, going to puppeteer his legs um, or or what he, he does is he lines up all the yellow lanterns as a track and he runs over all of their backs yeah and well i was just like come on man i've also always pictured the opening of this movie being the destruction of oa mm-hmm. and and the sort of like last ditch effort of of ganthet to escape with the final it's like him heisting the last power of the of the giant Green Lantern battery on Oa and and escaping. And that's where you get like a bunch of like cool Green Lantern, like classic Green Lantern alien cameos. Yeah. Of like all of those characters that that everyone loves. So you get your uh, Kilowog and and all those other ones that I can't name. That is my biggest problem with this movie is that it commits the unforgivable sin of killing Kilowog. Well... (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, but but also maybe it doesn't, you know, like uh, John Stewart and Guy Gardner survived. He just isn't a Green Lantern anymore. So it like you know? depowers a lot of Green Lanterns. All right. doesn't kill I can all live of them. with that. Yeah. As long as Kilowog's alive somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. He could be alive somewhere. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. In the in the sequels, when they're traveling the universe, learning about the 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 other uh, Green Lantern powers. <laughs> Kilowog's yeah. on, a, on another planet trying real hard to meditate so he can become a Blue Lantern. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's it's not going to work. It, it's, not yeah, it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> yeah. That said, I mean, uh, it, the sequels are kind of like a a movie version of like that one Green Lantern TV show with the weirdly mm-hmm. CGI animation, which was very very good. Yes, it was a very good show. Oh yeah, that uh, that one with like that TMNT style animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't let this go too far. Is like if you enjoyed Scott's Green Lantern pitch and my Green Lantern pitch, if you want to hear a third, also excellent <laughs> dueling genre Green Lantern pitch, listen to last year's ideal remake of Green Lantern, mm-hmm. where Cass and Norman come on and pitch the ideal Green Lantern movie, and yeah. it is completely different from both of ours. You know what I'm looking forward to is we we each get to make these movies, and then we get to have our own Crisis on Infinite Earths. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Our, I mean, our own can. Crisis on Infinite remakes. <laughs> That's good. And it's and, and in that one, it's just the uh, <laughs> the 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 current iteration, the Zack Snyder <laughs> Steppenwolf, <laughs> desperately trying to claw his way back into some universe. <laughs> <laughs> Something and that causes I. I w- I had a thing for so long. <laughs> I also just want to I want to shout out the idea of Sterling K Brown as Superman. Um just Yeah, because. Sterling Ooh. K Brown would be a perfect Superman. I mm-hmm. I he, my my thing with Superman is like I I do like the dorky Clark Kent thing. I do, but I also really like that sort of like just farm boy guy, like of just like I don't yeah. know. I was raised on a farm. Like, yeah. <laughs> I like football. I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, I, I, like I, like the, I, I like the lowest lane of like, what were you raised on a farm? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, it was, it was great. Do you want to come visit? Mom and Pa will be, be really welcoming. Yeah. And there's something about Sterling K. Brown that you just instantly trust, which I mm-hmm. think is yeah. extremely important when you're casting Superman and is the reason why Henry Cavill while he looks good as Superman, isn't a great Superman because I don't instantly trust him when I look at him. Yeah, um, that's true. I think he's that's got fair. those angry eyes, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was pretty awesome. I like all of these. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I always end up this way. Would Would you all go see all of these movies? Yes. Sure, yeah. Good. All right, that's all I needed. <laughs> I mean, this is so cool. I want all of these to be real. And mm. who know, who knows what we actually get? But when we do end up getting whatever James Gunn ends up making next, just know that we were all right. <laughs> oh, 
I also just want to pitch this, which is not, I have no story attached to this. It's just James Gunn's Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's like a, a natural fit. That's yeah. it. I just want that to happen. <laughs> so when I was telling my friend Alex, I mentioned this before we started recording to Andrew. When I was telling my friend Alex that we were doing this, he kind of wanted to come in and do like a Martian Manhunter lands on Earth and ends up creating the Justice Society of America. Mm. And it's like, so the first movie takes place in the 50s where we kind of like establish superheroes and then yeah. it goes from there. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It's a fun idea, but it's an origin story. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, we I had, I had three origin those. stories. I mean, I like mine was also stories. an origin story. Yeah. And it was uh, John Stewart getting the Hal Jordan ring, which is apparently a thing. I like origin stories, but I, I think they're more necessary for like B-list characters, like all the ones I, that I chose than, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. The, we don't, really we do don't ever need to see the origin of Wonder Woman, Batman, or Superman no. ever again. No, we do not. No. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> thank you all so much for being guests on the uh, season finale of Ideal Remake, uh, yeah. episode 125. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, this this is great. So I, normally when I get to the end of my podcast, I, I like to take a moment to promote other dueling genre shows. But since three of you are here... <laughs> Why don't you each take a second to talk about the shows that you do on Dueling Genre? So, Andrew, wh- tell us about Protagonist Podcast and Disney Movie Asc- D- Disney <laughs> Minute Essentials. So, Protagonist Podcast is every week a discussion of a great character and a great story. So, we bounce around through comic books and TV and movies and novels. And usually it's just like a, a synopsis of that and then a discussion of like what's going on, what's cool in that. So my brother is is the host of it and he's got a, a PhD in American studies and everything. So he's like teaching college level courses on literature and everything. He's like, I just like talking about stories in my free time too. <laughs> not not just <laughs> when he's getting paid for it from, from, you know, the college system. And then Disney Animation Minute Essentials is uh, my wife Kestra and I breaking down Disney animated movies one minute at a time. So uh, a good old fashioned movies by minute. From back in the I mean, day. <laughs> I do at some point want to come on the protagonist podcast because I'm committed. I still want to talk about Bob from Reboot. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I just want to point out that I think this is a direct result of us all saying Hal Jordan a bunch of times. Um, I got an ad for uh, <laughs> for Bomber's Jacket, <laughs> for Bomber Jacket <laughs> on Facebook. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, phenomenal uh awesome adam you can find me at tales from the short box uh we are a a once weekly wednesday podcast where we talk about comics my my co-host uh casey sean and rj and i met at our local comic shop so we kind of just we we do shop talk uh we we take a, a a moment to talk about our favorite books from the week before and then we have a top story where we kind of play it a little fast and loose. We'll take a trade from something that we that we've all kind of agreed on to to do a deep dive on. Last last season we had kind of a, a through a through plot of taking classic superheroes and then doing a, a an old classic storyline and then a more modern storyline. So one week we would do like, for example, we did the Galactus storyline in the original Fantastic Four, and then the following week we did john hickman's run on fantastic cool yeah it's it's a deep dive in, into everything comics um i love it all right scott what you got going on right now we've got franchiseography going on um depending on when this comes out we're in the thick of the rocky franchise over there where we we talk about um each week we talk about a, a new another entry in a different in a 
in a single franchise and then move on to another franchise. It's a series of miniseries. And we talk about the, you know, the, the sort of background of the, of the film, the, the uh, development of it and, and how it came to be and how certain decisions were made. And uh, we, we really dig deep on all of that stuff. So we're doing Rocky right now. And then we are going right into Star Trek after that. So one, long franchise into another <laughs> one long franchise into a longer franchise uh, yeah. we are doing star trek from the motion picture all the way to star trek beyond so nice very very long run yeah it's probably my favorite podcast i've ever done check it out i think it's a lot of, i think it's a lot of fun and 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 really good uh so yeah that's franchiseography wherever you get your podcast uh anyway for any people who are listening and one thank you for listening to this very long episode thank you for listening to ideal remake and you should if you enjoy podcasts you should go check out all of these they're all incredible and um these are all good people mm -hmm. so we will end this episode oh before we do that uh, it during the hiatus uh from Ideal Remake, when we come back in a few months after I'm done dealing with bookkeeping hell, which is to say January and February, <laughs> if you okay. want to take the time to go on Apple Podcasts and leave Ideal Remake a five-star review, that would be incredible. And hey, as long as you're there, leave a five-star review for Disney Minute Essentials, Protagonist Podcast, uh, Tales from the Short Box, and Franchiseography. It won't take that long, and it will genuinely help all of us, and you would be a good person, and we will personally love you. But we will end this episode the same way we end every episode. And I will ask, what is your favorite quote from any character in DC? My man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. <laughs> All right. Perfect. 